jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. I am the East Village. On jasoncharles.net. You're listening to Eye on the East Village. I'm Delphine Blue in for Evie Grieve here on Jason Charles Podcast Network. And I'm in the East Village and I'm very excited to be talking to Sarita from Smack. And I'm happy to have this opportunity that Evie Grieve offered me because we're going to be talking about a fantastic phenomenon that rose up during the pandemic and one of the things we'll be talking about is the East Village Fridge. So hi, Sarita. How are you? Hi, Delphine. I'm doing very well, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. Well, it's great to be here for you and your business, which is where we're sitting right <laughs> now. And it's great to be here for me, too, because Smack has been here for 15 years. Yeah, it's that, that ages me. <laughs> Just thinking about how. It's, that's incredible, yeah. because I remember when you opened, but I didn't realize 15 years had gone by. So that's wonderful for an eatery to reach a 15-year age means you're a successful business. Yeah, it definitely, when we hit this year, 2021, we were like, oh, this is our, this is, you know, our first baby. I have two kids, 11 and eight, but I was like, Smack is my first baby. I'm like, oh, and Smack's having a 15 year birthday this year. We need to commemorate it. Wow. And you were, you were building your business and then you had babies. Yes. Yeah. That must've been interesting. Yeah. yeah we get, we gave it a little bit of time. <laughs> we needed to, cause just, yeah, we, my husband and I didn't even see each other the first couple of years. We were running the restaurant cause we were doing opposite shifts. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where, and we're not going to have a kid until we can actually see each other. <laughs> right. Well, that was probably good planning. Yeah. So what gave you the idea to open Smack? So Smack is, uh, I shouldn't call it an accident, but it was more of an unexpected turn in our lives. My husband and I are both engineers by trade. So I'm a mechanical engineer. He's a software engineer. And we were living in Manchester, New Hampshire, working in our engineering careers there. But we used to come to Manhattan like multiple times a month and literally even if it was just for the day so we loved coming here and exploring the neighborhoods and one day we're just like you know we keep saying we want to move let's just do it so we literally kind of upped and quit our somewhat secure jobs and moved here and that was in 2005 so we moved here July 31st we landed a sublet on 5th street between 2nd and 3rd avenue you know great location in the East Village we you don't really know the neighborhoods until you live I'm so lucky. I feel so happy that we got a place here and then immediately felt at home. I was like, this is this is home for me. And we just started to eat out as we were interviewing for engineering jobs. That was, you know, that's what we were going to do. Just get jobs in our, you know, what we're educated for and what we went to university for and what we knew. And uh, it was one of those things where we promised each other we're not going to take the job that were offered unless we love it because we've already made this lifestyle change of living in the city and loving to be here. So my husband was actually getting a few offers. I was on like third and fourth interviews and we weren't, nothing was really resonating. And at the time we were just eating like every meal out because what do you do when you move to New York from a small place? You're like intrigued by all of the food. It options. is amazing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> 
and we were really intrigued by all the niche restaurants because that's something that you you know now you see more of outside of New York but at the time it was I feel like very much specific to a large city so you, know, you get fries from one place you get a burger from another place like you know you do the walking around and so we had gone to peanut butter company in the West Village that is no longer there but that peanut butter is on like every grocery store shelf now and I was like oh wouldn't it be great if we you know if there was a place that did PB&J grilled cheese we'd gone to a grilled cheese place that was on St. Mark's that's no longer there uh, and mac and cheese We're like oh that's it that's the next place we're going to eat lunch at is the mac and cheese place. Um, and guess what? There wasn't one. And we couldn't believe we're like, what? How is there not a mac and cheese place? There's like the most popular thing in the world right? is mac and cheese. It just felt like such a no brainer. And so this is literally within weeks of us moving here. My husband and I were like, we can't shake this. Maybe this is a good business opportunity. And also we just made this, what felt like a huge change to us. We also knew we wanted to own our own business. We just thought it would be an engineering business, right? So what we did is we just started every restaurant we walked into, we just chit-chatted. We would find the owner or the manager and chit-chat with them. And most people were amazing and willing to tell us their story and what they're going through and what it took. And so then we were like, let's just do this. And literally nine months later, we opened up Smack. Which, if people don't know, stands for Sarita's Mac and Cheese. And my husband got shafted on the name. His name is Caesar. I was like, well, schmack doesn't sound as good as smack. (laughs) (laughs) What I noticed, this is just a personal statement. What I noticed early on was that you had gluten-free options. As a gluten-free person, I was like, wow, look at that. Yeah. Because you wouldn't expect that from a mac and cheese place. So I I want to personally thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I think also at the time it was, we started getting requests in 2006 when we opened. I didn't even know what, what that entailed. Right. So then we're like, okay, let's look into this. And that's kind of where the engineering comes into play. It was like, it's kind of, I call us food scientists now. We're like, oh, this is very interesting. Oh, this affects a lot of people. And then we just, we literally took about a year to to perfect, you know, um, our mac and cheese so that it could all be offered gluten-free. And there are multiple smacks now? No, this is the only one. We did We did have, we had multiple. We had one in Murray Hill. We used to have the first park kiosk for a while too. Oh. Uh, and then we we grew and then shrunk. And I'm very happy that we shrunk because, you know, when we, 2017 is when we went back to one singular location and it just kind of let us, it allowed us to reassess like what we want to achieve as a business, not just serve mac and cheese. Was, I guess kind of, goes into what we're doing now with the community in the neighborhood and so having one location gave us that mental breathing room to actually see what are we trying to achieve right now it's also interesting that you had the opportunity to explore some different business models find what worked for you and continue to thrive so that's great because some people expand and sort of sink their boat by doing so so yeah yeah it's it's true it's almost like you have to take those risks but at the same time, you always kind of second guess yourself, like, should I have done that? But at this point, at this stage in the game, like, you know, we had, we did what we did and we're in a good place now. Okay. So now we're going to fast forward to the events of early 2020 when the pandemic beset the world and something arose here in this neighborhood called the community fridge. Can you talk about the history of the community fridge, which is located right outside of Smack? 
Yeah, so our East, uh, we call it our East Village Community Fridge, uh, East Village Neighbors Community Fridge, uh, started about a year ago. So September, early October of 2020, but it had been a thought in mine and my husband Caesar's head since probably May of 2020. Uh, when the pandemic first hit, we saw such, you know, you saw so many different things, but one thing that really stood out was just the amount of pe- food insecure people who would be walking into the restaurant just looking for something to eat and it was regularly and the first avenue was barren i mean i'm sure you say it was barren out here but you would see that regularly i'm like this is this is exacerbated this is not what it was like you know a few months ago so my husband and i were like okay how do we help you like we were just giving people free food at that point but we're like we need to do something more but then also we were we were like how are we going to pay for that because we don't even have business ourselves right so we were able to stay open for takeout and delivery and then we did hospital deliveries and pivoted but at the you know at the height of it it was just okay are we going to be in business tomorrow so that's you know in the forefront in your of your mind but then when you're faced every day with people who are hungry like i could still put food on my table so many people couldn't right we were just thinking how do we how do we help so once outdoor dining sprung up in the summer, it kind of gave us some breathing room again because we were like, okay, business is back. We have people eating and enjoying and wanting to like come and leave their apartments again and feeling safe enough to do it. And so my husband, who's just an insomniac, was Googling around and he, he was like, you know, I keep reading about these community fridges. Like one popped up. I think he had seen one in Queens and one in the Bronx. And he was like, I really like this idea. I'm like, I absolutely love it too. I go, but I do not want to commit to something. And we start it, and then we can't fill it, so we pull it back. Because then pe- I knew like people are going to be so dependent on this. I didn't realize how dependent until we actually got, you know, got it up and running. Uh, so I was like, okay, how do we do it? We can't do it on our own. We need, we need help. So again, we go through the summer. Every week we're talking about it. We're not coming up with a solution, which is really tough when you're engineers. You want the solution fast, right? I'm like, it's brewing. And then one day, Caesar joins this Facebook group called East Village Neighbors. And what the first post I think he saw, one of the first posts was, hey, you know, we still want to do this community fridge. We're just looking for a host. He flashes me his phone. I'm like, respond now. Respond to these. We don't know who these people are, but just say, yes, let's talk. And that's it. You know, it pivoted. It was like, I think that was August of 2020. And we met with Diane Hatz, who had put the post on the group and found out about East Village Neighbors, this group that had come together to help people with groceries and food and the height of the pandemic. And and we just kind of laid on the same page. We're like, you know, this is, it is, it's an experiment. Like, we don't know how it's gonna work. We don't know how it's gonna run, but now we have a team. And now we have a group of people who can work together to figure out how we're going to sustain this. And literally, like a few weeks later, we started the East Village Communities Community Fridge. I was somehow part of that. I, I guess the nature of the pandemic made it so that we were all on our computers nonstop. And somehow I came upon that group and I joined it the East Village Neighbors Group, and also there was the Buy Nothing Group, and there was a lot of activity there. And I kept seeing about the community fridge, and I kept thinking, where where is it? So one day, I had some things that I wanted to put in it, and I thought, I'll just walk over there, and I was so perplexed. How am I going to find this refrigerator? And I walked to your shop. And there it was, just right there on the corner of 12th and 1st. And I put food in it. And 
after that, people would all be posting saying, well, where is it? And I'd be like, it's right there. You can't <laughs> miss it. You just walk to 12th and 1st, and there's a refrigerator there. Yeah. And, and they're like, what do I have to do? Do I have to go inside somewhere? Is it, is it? And I said, it's always there, and it's always open. And you can put food in and take it out all the time. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. This is the coolest, most heartwarming thing. And I, I, I just want to thank you. I'm so glad I have the the opportunity to be looking you in the eye and saying thank you so much so talk about the experience of when it began and what was it like yeah so when you know it is it's it's a very emotional experience like even talking to you right now I'm just thinking about like the stage of the fridge and the community and I just want to say that this is I've lived in the East Village for 16 years now because we moved just a year before we opened Smack and uh I've never felt so plugged into this community as I had this past year. And to be a business owner and to be a resident of this community to say that, it's like, it's because of the fridge. And it's because of the people I've met who helped to donate to the fridge, who utilize the fridge. I'm like, I've met such a spectrum of people here. And it's like, it's given me back so much joy, you know? And and that's not even like from someone who's using the fridge for the, for the food part of it, right? I feel like the food is such a big part of it but there's so much more now surrounding it um when we first opened it we saw okay this we we can't keep up with demand you know we need to get more more donors and people just to know that they can just how quickly would it empty so like to to this day i'd say if it's full within the hour emptied so if we fill this up every hour 24 hours it's it's the need is the need is there you know and uh, I guesstimated like a few months ago that we probably feed about 2,000, like there's 2,000 visits at least, and that's like a very conservative guesstimate as to how many visits come are at the fridge and pantry every week. So, you know, you see that and you're like, okay, this is something that we need to keep going. It was also open at a time during the pandemic where still a lot of people weren't leaving their homes or leaving, and when they would show up at the fridge, you could tell like, People were socially starved for human connection. And it became this kind of like little meeting point of like people having nice conversations and and just kind of like meeting your neighbors. And I just saw that part of like, wow, this is like, this is kind of this added bonus and added benefit of the fridge. It's like, it's actually a place where people feel like I'm connecting with another human being because we we lacked that so much. I was thinking, you know, I live with my husband and kids. I have people around me all the time. Yeah, it wasn't easy having them around all the time during the pandemic, but I had people and that made a big difference in my life. Whereas there's people, there's so many people who are living by themselves who need that connection. Uh, I think also, you know, we've been able to rescue a lot of food from especially the bakeries that we know that that's just the nature of their business, right? They have to make X amount of, you know, lots of their bread or whatnot, baked goods. And that's going getting tossed out at the end of the day. So we have done a lot of food rescue, a lot of pickups. So there's all these little things that aren't so little, you know, they're, they're actually really great positives that come out of the fridge. And I, I think that I'm very lucky because I get to see all those positives almost every day, every day that I'm here, I'm seeing the traffic, the people there's also, there's also going to be hardships with the fridge, right? You know, you've, you've got a lot of mental illness in the city. That's, not being addressed so you know we've had some we've had our fridge vandalized a couple yeah, times there's a door missing off the pantry yeah. right now <laughs> yeah it's here it's here and it's painted and we're gonna get it back on but it literally is one of those things where i feel people see that and they get discouraged 
and then they'll write about it and then it's like this downward spiral of oh my gosh this is not working like no it actually is working 99% of the time um, you just don't see that right so I think that a lot of my I, I see my job is we you know we we as a whole staff maintain the fridge and keep our eyes on it um, but it's also like remind people this is feeding so many mouths every week and yes it's expected it's like on it's in public property something may happen to it but we're gonna get it fixed you know right well I want to touch on that because um, I watched those East Village neighbors posts regularly they would just pop up and I would see some of those posts and people would say oh well I saw a guy come there with a shopping bag and just un empty out that fridge or I see a guy coming back every hour or I see this homeless guy and Diane Hatz would always put these incredibly humane responses saying we are not going to police the fridge we assume if someone is taking things, they need them, and we're leaving it open. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think that that is it's so important, and that's something that we, like between Diane, myself, Caesar, and E.D. Meyer, who's also one of the founders, uh, we all are on the same page with that, and that was really important because it is a mental shift. Like I, I know that so many people in the neighborhood feel a sense of ownership of this fridge, which is amazing, but we always have to remember that whatever is put in the fridge and the pantry is a gift. And what people do with that gift is up to them at that point, right? Uh, I think it's hard for people to see, because I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tell a story personally too. Like, I think it's hard for people to see one person taking a lot from the fridge when you know there's so many other people who need food as well. I actually, when we first started the fridge, eggs are kind of a rare commodity and we had these amazing pasture raised eggs in there like someone had donated I think East Village Organic down the street had donated a lot of them and there was this man and he was filling his bag and he took almost all the eggs so this was probably like within the first weeks of the the fridge so I was like do I say something do I not say something so I said politely and maybe it was passive aggressively when I look back on it I was like you know sir just make sure you leave some for others or something like that you know nothing rude but also I did say something and then he looked at me sweet man and he said you know this is my favorite food and this is all I'm going to eat for the next two weeks and then I said take the eggs I walked away I never said anything to anyone again because I was like that was my learning moment like that was a very teachable moment to me that yeah I can't say that I can say I can have pasture raised eggs every day this man this is like what he's going to eat he loves eggs who are we to decide who takes what from the fridge and how much yeah, I saw I saw Diane just reinforce that over and over mm-hmm. again, and then I was shocked when I saw her saying, "This is I'm handing over my responsibilities. Yeah. I'm moving to the, uh, New Mexico, Santa New Fe. Mexico." I was like, "Wait a second, yeah. you what? You're what?" Yeah. So, what happened after that? So, I, so that was like shortly after I met Diane. I feel like she's like. I, when people saw us together, they'd be like, you guys haven't known each other for like decades. I'm like, we literally just met last month. Like we had this instant relationship. And when she told me she was moving, I was devastated to like, what? Uh, but it was interesting because again, like she moved, but she's also 
still kind of, you know, she's in the loop on the fridge. She's also, she's created this how to start a community fridge. And we do um, these Zoom seminars through her nonprofit, Change Food, uh, with other fridge groups around the country. And, and so she's very actively involved with the fridge culture, the fridge community, how this is going to move forward, uh, especially through her nonprofit. And it is a very interesting thing because you don't know, like this is kind of, you know, we kind of have gone rogue with the fridges, right? Like this is not something that a system's been set up. It's uh, a mutual aid kind of thing almost, but but uh, it's an experiment. Like you don't know how long they will we will be able to sustain this. Hopefully, you know, we'll sustain it, we'll sustain it as long as it, the need is there. But unfortunately, I feel like the need is not going away anytime soon. Right. There were also frequently posts from people who would say, I just bought a, three bags of groceries at Trader Joe's that I put in the fridge. So people were actively going out and shopping to yes. put things in there, which was really amazing. If you come here and just observe for like a couple hours every day, honestly, it's it's amazing. Like it's heartwarming. I feel like everyone should come and just watch this corner for an hour, uh, a week or something, just to see how many different people, uh, will donate. For instance, like you said, there's people who are going to Trader Joe's and might buy an extra bag, put it in there. Uh, there's some meals on wheels programs that if they don't, at the end of the day, they haven't gotten rid of all of the food. They have, you know, someone hasn't been home. They haven't been able to reach someone. It goes in here. There is a woman who was picking up her daughter once from PS 19 across the street she put some fresh groceries in like uh, vegetables and fruits and then she took some prepared meals out and she said she it wasn't that she was strapped for cash to buy food she was strapped for time to make food so that was her that was her exchange was I'm going to put fresh raw ingredients and I'm going to take the prepared meals out and I was like this is again I never would have thought of that right like of course like time is money for everyone and a lot of us don't have time so uh, it really is interesting to see how many different sources of food hit the fridge and pantry. Another thing that's kind of great about it is that, you know, we we all tend to acquire plastic cutlery that we don't use. And there's been, you know, the ones that come in sealed, yeah. you know, a little sealed individual package. But that's a place we've all been able to, like, donate our plastic cutlery. And yeah. sometimes people are eating on the go out of that fridge. And yeah. they need a fork. They are. They are. They need a fork. They need a container. They need, uh, they need you know, any... There's, so, there's a need for almost anything food-related. Literally, like, even... Uh, I had condiment packets that I had. I always feel guilty. I don't know. It's, is the mom and me? Is the is it my Indian heritage that we like just don't waste? Like I always kept on to like the ketchup packets, right? And like, why am I hanging on to these things? But I put them in literally in the pantry. They're gone within like 20 minutes because people want the condiments too. It's really wonderful. And just for people who are listening, no, there's no lock on this fridge at yeah. any time. It's just always there and always open and it's kind of amazing that you know you'd think somebody might have like taken the whole fridge and left but it's there it's there yeah we we learned our lesson the first week we had a fridge we actually there was a free fridge on the sidewalk across the street like okay let's start with this fridge it's working it was smaller than the one we had now we put it up and it got pushed over and and then everyone was like so upset and then when we look at the cameras like okay it was probably someone who was drunk we, literally it was a smaller fridge they just kind of tapped it it fell down so we're like okay now what do we do we 
put a pallet down. We lock the fridge and pantries with pallets. So it's like, again, all of these are learning experiences, right? And so we've gotten to a point where now we have like a, a local artist who's decorated our fridge so lovely. The rain came, it actually washed it away. He came and fixed it the other day and polyurethane it. So it's like, we're all kind of learning in, in all aspects of the fridge. Well, it's nice that there was different artwork too. <laughs> right? We got a little change up. Yeah. And now there's, there's, I know some other fridges have popped up mm-hmm. nearby one further east on like 5th and... Yeah, there's one on Avenue B and 7th in front of Trinity uh, right. Church. Yeah, there's one there. So even when they were setting up, we had like a bunch of con calls with myself and Edie and other people in the neighborhood just to kind of, you know, help them and like show what's worked for us. Because, um, and I probably haven't talked enough to this, it really does take a community to keep this fridge going because the amount of volunteers on our volunteer spreadsheet that come and clean this fridge twice daily that pick up multiple uh, pickups at like bakeries and other uh, other businesses that are willing to donate that's that's ongoing and every day so it is it is something that you need a lot of help and a lot of volunteer work and even I think about you know you've got we've got all of our East Village volunteers and then just like how my staff has just they've totally embraced this fridge and pantry and again have a sense of ownership and when we first started I know Caesar and I really wanted to do it I think these guys were like kind of questionable like what are we doing here and then they've just also like growing with it like seeing oh wow the need is there and they always have their eyes on it they'll call me if there's an issue or and if someone walks in looking for food they don't think twice about giving it to them now I think because they now see like wow look what look what our little corner has done for the community and they're really proud to be a part of that it's very cool it's like the coolest thing in the world (laughs) and you know I mean I just remember one time I don't remember why I had a birthday an extra birthday cake how does that happen but I had a whole cake and I put it in the fridge and there was a woman there and no sooner had I put it in she took it out and I just thought this is great she's yeah. probably going cake right who doesn't like cake, who doesn't so, like and cake? it made me feel so good so the whole thing is just win 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 and I want to thank you so much for your efforts and oh. I'm sure a million people have thanked you it, it, it is it's it's super heartwarming it's also like whenever someone says thank you I, I feel guilty because I'm like it's it's a, such a team of us you know like we I feel like we're so we're fortunate to be able to have a storefront that we can have the fridge and pantry plugged into my manager whenever there's an issue he's like on top of it fixing those things like I just feel super lucky and blessed to be able to do this Uh, but it really is just our community is amazing I'll say it time and time again the East Village really cares about each other and it's you know I've learned so much about my neighbors in the past year and more so than I had the 15 prior to that. So for those of you who are listening who have not experienced the East Village Community Fridge, Sarita, can you tell us where people can find information about it? Absolutely. So on Instagram, you can follow us at East Village Neighbors. And we also have a Facebook group, which is how I found them. Uh, Yeah, East Village Neighbors. And also, um, I'm constantly posting about the fridge at our Eat Smack uh, 
handle, which is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you have a website for Smack as well. Right, eatsmack.com. And there is a community, you know, in the, in the you know, drop-down menu, there is an option to find out about the community fridge, because I saw it there. Yes, it is there. <laughs> you got it. And for vegans listening, I know that there's a vegan community fridge somewhere on Bleecker Street. There is, yeah, in front of Overthrow, the boxing pub. Yeah, there's a, there is, a, and there is also one now in front of Essex Market. That is also a vegan community fridge. Well, thank you so much, Sarita. I know you have to open your business. <laughs> <laughs> um, students are back, which is great. <laughs> I'm Delphine Blue, and you've been listening to Eye on the East Village. I'm in for Evie Grieve. Evie Grieve, thank you for letting me have this opportunity because the East Village community fridge is just one of the most beautiful things to arise out of the, the darkness of the pandemic. So thanks for listening. Bon appetit, y'all. You've been listening to I in the East Village on jasoncharles.net. Jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.